and welcome to the Gospel of Ghost, the podcast that aims to bring the lore and narrative of Ghost to the forefront of their music. And welcome back to season three, or welcome, I should say, to season three of the podcast where we're covering Meliora. Today, we're starting off with Spirit, and I am joined with a very special guest, the man who composes our theme music and also has a side project or his own project called Bison Music. It's Hector. How's it going? Great to be here. Thank you so much. Great to hear you again and see you returning back for a third series. Man. Yeah, it's been too long, as my Instagram as my Instagram followers keep reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. I see that you've been keeping yourself busy over the past couple of weeks, though. You released, you recently released a Metallica medley. I did, yeah. Do you know what? It was, uh, I'm having a similar type of problem, you know, a teething problem trying to get this next medley together for uh, for Meliora. But yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a, it's 17 minutes and so I it's uh it's definitely no modest effort but it's I tried to do the best I could but it's off it's off Metallica's Ride the Lightning and uh just try to pluck out my best bits and uh use kind of the sections that were kind of I could interpret as best I could but yeah that's out there now on my on my Instagram and my um and my YouTube as well so yeah please check it out yeah definitely go check it out guys if you have any interest in Metallica at all give it a listen I am not the greatest Metallica fan in the world I like them obviously but I thoroughly enjoy enjoyed it Hector it was very good oh thank you I didn't want to do a I didn't want to do a Metallica medley really it was only because uh, friends of mine were asking me to do one <laughs> and I thought because if I know I, I, I want to do other remote kind of projects you know I actually wanted to do uh, a project on Ennio Morricone's music a medley of, of his of his classical music score for like the good the bad and the ugly and for a few dollars more and um, because he died recently and uh, he's a huge inspiration to me I've got his like posters on my wall uh, from movies that he's he's done score to but uh, the Metallica thing kept coming up so I gave in and uh, ended up doing it so you're not going to be doing any mm. of the other Metallica albums then no <laughs> nothing's been penciled in no. yet uh, I do you know what I said no it's not gonna it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen it's it's uh it's because the there's you know those songs are so well known mm-hmm. and the there's not much scope for interpretation in those songs and I did my best to try and put a new spin on it with the with the various instrumentation that I use so for me it's not as stimulating as some of the other projects that I've done, like the Justice thing, the, the electronic music duo, and uh, the the homage to Henry Mancini, who did the Pink Panther theme tune, and even the Ghost stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, probably no, no, no future Metallica projects uh, penciled in. No. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So when can we expect the Megadeth one? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, don't <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, it would actually one. it would probably be it would probably be easier to do a Megadeth one because obviously they're a bit more complicated in their instrumentality than a Metallica is. That's just my opinion. Obviously, well, 
I know, controversial. Wow, well, you know how to. Yeah, that is controversial. And, that, that, and let's not forget, I am. I've seen Metallica about what, eight or nine times, so I am a total loser. I'm a total fanboy. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Metallica's not. Instru- I'm not saying Metallica aren't instrumentally good. What I'm saying is that I think that Megadeth. I think they're the better band overall, but but Megadeth have the better <laughs> the better instrumental tracks are the instrumentality sure. to their songs rather than anything else i wouldn't know man i i, I haven't been i haven't i've uh, i've i've uh, been one of those kind of sheltered fans who are out of loyalty to the band have not listened to hardly any megadeth whatsoever okay. so i need to so i i definitely need to come out of that and definitely listen to megadeth properly and even the other bands like anthrax i don't know and the, some of the big four like mm. i don't know as well i think i know slayer quite well but megadeth like i know i know that dave mustaine is super super talented and mm. i really like like everything i've heard i really liked and i haven't and there is no excuse for it so yeah i'm gonna definitely check it out and you know what, there might be uh well no, i'm not even gonna say it don't promise it the amount of work that went into that metallica one i mean 17 minutes it was kind of it's just it's far too long. I don't know what it's. It is. It's very. It's very long. Like I, I, like as someone else, you know. Obviously, it's not the same because I make podcasts. But you know, as someone who makes audio entertainment, I suppose you could call it. We we edit stuff heavily compared to what gets to the listeners' ears. Like me and you will probably record this for what like an hour, and the most is going to get to the listeners at like thirty minutes, forty minutes. So there is always stuff that you have to work around, and I'm sure the seventeen minutes it probably took you quite a long time to work on. Well, it's an album that lasts for. <laughs> you know nearly an hour and yeah. it's 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 you know it's dated but it's like i said it's so well known that it's it, i don't want to just rehash it so of course there are some elements that you just can't help but just keep the same as you always hear them but yeah no I, and also to do a meaningful medley i couldn't just do like 30 seconds on this one 40 seconds on that one i by nature of the way that their songs are structured you have to spend a little bit of time yeah on you know on traveling through and because those sections are so well known i'm also trying to crowd please so perhaps too much so I don't. If you guys, if you do listen to it, you know, take it in steps. You know, yeah. take it in steps. And in fact, on YouTube, I've actually sectioned every song on. So yeah, you, I've seen that. I've seen so that. So you can you can you know jump and choose. And I've done that as well for the ghost medleys as well. Which mm. uh, uh, hopefully you know you can you, if you haven't heard a section of it, it's all it's all labelled up now, which makes it a bit better. Well, seeing as this uh, podcast is going to be coming out in June sometime, and obviously we'll be opening with the Meliora theme mm. song. Hopefully, the listeners will have heard it by then. I do look forward to hearing the majority. I'll, I'll Obviously, I've heard a little bit of it, but I look mm-hmm. forward to the entire thing. So with that being said, shall we jump into the episode? Let's. Okay. Definitely. Awesome. So we're back today with Meliora, as said, following on from the events that happens in Op- Opus Eponymous and Infestissimum. And we're beginning with, quite obviously, the opening song, which for once isn't an instrumental song. It is, uh, well, I mean, Infestissimum, I count as an instrumental. Yes, I know there's mm. lyrics, but it doesn't. It's It's not a... Yeah. song song it's very good but it's not a song song but this is the first time that ghost has opened with a with a non-instrumental uh, track so it's giving us an episode one we can actually discuss about so before we get into the lyrics themselves and this is just an opinion piece what is your opinion on the song because i know we discussed it a little bit beforehand obviously but you know it's underrated in the terms of the fandom i think and you think as well you know but as a musician um and a fan what is your perspective on on spirit well i think it's uh... Uh, it instantly grabbed my attention. I thought it was like it was equivalent to. I don't know if you guys have seen the the, the Bat- Batman movie with the Riddler or like Mars Attacks, like where they're tuning into the TV. The mm-hmm. way this song starts is like it was tuning into everyone's TV at home. It was su- it's such a clever opening. Uh, that kind of like UFO sounding extraterrestrial, like you know, over that initial pit before the band kicks in. I think the song's 
I mean, the song is actually really sophisticated in, in like its harmony. Even, even I mean, the thing is Ghost, they use a time signature that's that involves triplets. So that triplet time has a kind of waltzy feel to it again, similar to, mm -hmm. you know, songs that have come before it. But I, I you know, it's really, I mean, the instrumental as well that came, comes in later on with both the synthesizers and the guitars. I think it's a statement piece. I think when you hear this, you're like, oh my word, this is going to be, this is going to be fucking huge. And I think live, like, you know, it's, I think, I, I mean, I want to say that I have heard this live. I'm starting to think if I whether I have or not. But in any case, it's a massive song, um, and it, it. I think it. I think it really does set the scene for mm. the the kind of concept of this album. Yeah. No, I I, compl I completely agree. Like the the opening bit, I don't, it, it it isn't obviously, but it reminds me of like a schlocky eighties like horror movie, mm. if you know what I mean with them. Yeah. And then yeah, that that it's just so attention grabbing, and then obviously it starts in with the the guitar riff, and then the 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 deep mm. drums that come into it it's just awesome i read that they recorded the drums in in america i think they actually went to in went to la uh sound i guess it's famous same famous studios in la and they recorded the drums separately over there oh really and then did the rest of the album back in sweden for the guitar tracks because they wanted that sound and you can hear you can hear there's a there's a there's a jump in production mm. for the for the particularly for the rhythm section of the album the drums sound huge mm. you know whether you know we take any song you want i mean the way the kick drum sounds in, in serious or or you know even the next song pink from the pinnacle sounds massive so yeah apparently they recorded that over there just for that huge drum sound i didn't know that i mean i know they've had their fair share of problems recording in america i can't remember what right. song it was um it was on the infestissimum album they uh i believe they were in the deep south i believe in mm. texas and they were trying to get a choir to record for <laughs> infestissimum but yes. obviously that's like the bible belt of america so like they just <laughs> like they, no, they went to westboro yeah no one would do it like no one would do it so they had to they had to go elsewhere in america to get the choir to record it and then the rest of the album wow. was recorded in like taxes or something <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like, know that. Yeah, no, yeah. It's um I don't know why they choose to do like record their albums, but I suppose as you said it is it is um specific sounds that they're looking for, specific engineers maybe, specific studios. So I think with a band like Ghost in their ascendancy, I think there is most certainly like a discussion about where to optimize the sonics for the next project. Mm. And I think obviously with their resources, it's about just everyone's now accessible. So every expert in a you know in a rhythm section field or you know, I think you know that's that's the way I think that's the way it kind of works where I mean even uh, I think it's quite normal actually where they kind of record different sections of, of an album like in different studios for that optimum sound uh, as I said pretty unfamiliar with how music is made and stuff so I will uh, I'll take your word for it and <laughs> uh -oh, now now the thing is this is the problem anyone who actually knows what they're talking about is going to come back and say sorry no you're guessing he's completely wrong he's full of shit <laughs> he's full of Stockholm what are you on about <laughs> there was no air miles at all what are you talking about guys guys an amateur yeah it won't be the first time I've, that's been said to me that's fine well, I believe you. So let's let's move on. <laughs> you, oh, you, you you think spirit is good. I think spirit is good. So let's dive I into do. let's dive into the lyrics of the song itself. Um, I first want to start off by by clearing up a misunderstanding in the lyrics of the mm -hmm. song. You might have seen this when I posted this on Instagram. The chorus is misheard by over fifty percent of people. <laughs> like there's fifty percent yeah. of people who mishear the lyrics of the chorus, and I have that as a screenshot. Like I did an Instagram story poll um with my followers and 50 percent of them hear it as spirit mm -hmm. absent that's with a hard t so spirit and absent however 
and the actual lyrics and i went i actually went and found somebody who owned the vinyl for this um <laughs> for, the, wow. for this seat for this uh, album and got them to instead of taking the word for it i got them to take a picture of the lyrics page so i could be 100 percent sure of my answer because loads of lyrics websites and stuff they have it as spirit absent but no the actual lyrics on the courses of this song are spirit absinthe as in the alcoholic drink. That's the actual lyrics wow. of the song. I've been saying absinthe, so I'm sitting here looking at this going, absinthe? I don't know, I've been saying absinthe for the last... <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> absinthe is correct. Oh my word. Absinthe is correct, but over 50% of people who listen to this song and follow me on, on Instagram, at Gospel of Ghost, cheap plug, <laughs> listen to it as absinthe. <laughs> So, yeah, right. just a little bit. Well, you know what? That's very rare for me because I, I know the words. I don't know. Sorry, I should rephrase that. I don't know anything about lyrics. And, like, my favorite songs have been singing for ages. And actually, people who know me, they're like, how are you singing that? Yeah. And they always have a go with me. So I, I thought it was absinthe, but I almost, I was 100% certain that I was wrong on that one. And it was something else. I just, I, it was inaudible almost. But I can't believe it's absinthe. Fine. Yeah, All right. no, 100%. Yep, it is Finally. absinthe. And with that said, we can jump into the, uh, into the song. So what I think about this song and what I think the story it's trying to tell. And this is coming on from Opus and Infestissimum, the Infestissimum, they sort of they sort of defeated God, basically. They defeated the church, they defeated God, and now there is a lack of religion or Satanism, small or there is Satanism present within world. There is no God within the society. So with that in mind, this is sort of describing a society that is so drunk on its new outlook, hence the absinthe thing, with a lack of morals and faith corrupting their vision, that they feel to see how close to the edge of disaster they are. That's that's the sort of vibe I'm getting from that, and that's where the that's where the sort of schlocky eighties intro gets from me. It's like yeah. it's they don't know how, how much danger they're in. Kind of apocalyptic. Oh yeah, no, the entire album is the entire album is apocalyptic. <laughs> right. Okay. So I may, may have just maybe said something completely obvious. <laughs> Sorry. No. Yeah, no. 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 I, it, it really is. I bring the substance, guys. <laughs> the entire album is apocalyptic. Um. And yeah. The, the ending like as I said from the beginning and I'm stealing this from how Game of Thrones just to say it like you know if you think this is going to have a happy ending you haven't been paying attention um, like, <laughs> yeah. it's not yeah. going to so oh. if you can't deal with unhappy endings I would maybe stop listening somewhere around <laughs> now because um, it yeah. just gets worse but yeah the first two lines of the song then throw yourself into the vessel of possibilities do you want to do you want to give us a stab well I think I've got the wrong lyrics I've got, oh. uh, I've got, I've got to throw yourself into the smoke of possibilities. Am uh, I? Am I? It's definitely vessel. Wow! Look at that. I see. See. They, okay. Fine. Well, do you know what? Uh, that with that said, so it's so it's into the vessel of possibility because that makes more sense in a way. Mm. I mean, it still makes. I mean, to listeners, I must admit, you know, you're not going to get much on this side of things. <laughs> but like, uh, but yeah, throw yourself into the vessel of possibilities. When I hear him talking, it's kind of alluring. So I, for me, it's like it's inviting. It's almost like you know. I mean, the detail of it, I'd have no idea. Throw yourself into the vessel of possibilities. I mean, in terms of, uh, I always think it's coming through the TV set, and they're they're, they're trying to they're trying to lure you in. It's almost like you you know your eyes are going round and you're zapped in to the system. Mm. Um, what do, what do you think? Let me first go from a literal perspective. In the literal sense, the lyric or this lyric is telling the listener to drink from a cup. 
So it's basically a vessel for liquid. That's you what a vessel is. You know that, you something that contains absinthe, a strong spirit that is rumored to cause hallucinations. Mm. And just as a side note, uh, by the way, I've had absinthe many times. It's not true. You don't get hallucinations. Most scientists agree that any hallucinations caused by absinthe were more than likely due to the extremely high alcohol content and the conception that drink will cause hallucinations, not any toxin or ingredient in the drink. So basically, think of it think of it like a placebo effect mm. if your mind believes a substance will have a certain effect then your mind can occasionally replicate it so by drinking absinthe and thinking oh this is going to give me hallucinations your brain is going to give you hallucinations right. <laughs> yeah well that makes well that makes so sense i've not had absinthe is it is it good it's uh, it's very aniseedy. So think like Jägermeister, right, uh, Sambuca yeah. sort of thing. I like it. I, you know, nice. it's it's my drink of choice when I whenever I want to forget that I exist. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> forget that I exist. That's that's deep. <laughs> well, I, I have I, I have a, a story of um, the the probably the most expensive night out that I've ever had. I was working in a, in a retail um, in a garage until 10 p.m. and it was it was my best friend's ex girlfriend's birthday. So obviously mm-hmm. they were all at partying and I said I wanted to go. So I went straight from work, but I got paid that day and we got paid in cash. So I went out with nice. my entire like two, it was bi-weekly. So every two weeks we got paid. I went out with two weeks worth of wages. The very first thing I did when I got to the bar, it was called Voodoo in Belfast, was order three shots of absence to catch up. And from then <laughs> on, I don't remember anything. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh my word. We, I think we ended up in, um, it was, uh, crap, what's that place called? Um, it's a gay bar in Belfast, but I can't. The name is escaping my brain. The Kremlin, ironically enough, it's called no, the Kremlin. It's called the Kremlin. It's called the Kremlin. <laughs> That's um, we ended up in the Kremlin, and I was doing um, rainbow shots. I bought like rainbow shots for basically everyone that I met, and poppers and everything. So um, that was that was fun. Um, I spent about two hundred odd quid that day. That was nice. Man, the things we do when we're vulnerable. <laughs> I know, right? Do, what's that about? That's like, that's perfect prey for like, you know, an evil being. I know, so right? <laughs> like in this song, I suppose. Like in this. Uh, so so fine. Thank you for the explanation. This is great hanging out with you because I get to understand what's really going on here. The devil got into me that night, that's for sure. I don't know how you met. Is this in the Kremlin? Like, I don't know if this is a literal thing. Oh, it was a metaphorical thing. <laughs> okay, I, fine, I hope okay. anyway, as I said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, the, the best thing that got into me that night was the burger afterwards. Nice, nice. <laughs> but in terms of the story, so obviously I went over the literal bit. So in terms of the story, however, I like to think that vessel in this definition is that of a person. In this instance, uh, Satan, who would be the vessel of possibilities for the human race in their eyes. So, I mean, what's left to discuss is what are the possibilities they're speaking of? Are they things that are disallowed under the former rules of God? You know, like premarital sex, you know, all of that sort of stuff having fun basically you know i like to think in this circumstances it's sort of a combination of both a literal and and a metaphor within the story and i'll get into that as we go along i don't think i don't think premarital sex ever really kind of like kicked off did it that's like i don't think that's ever <laughs> <What>? really... <laughs> what? <laughs> like like what you mentioned there, i don't think like when that law was like read out i think even like you know you know whenever that was kind of said like you shouldn't do this big guys like i think most people look side-eyed each other and like that's never gonna fly that's never gonna fly premarital everyone's gonna, as in like you know you're not gonna, you're not gonna wait until you get married before you have sex are you that's that's 
it's a pretty big law within Christianity. I mean, obviously nowadays with Christianity, they don't follow it that much. But I, I imagine back in the day, whenever it was less, yeah, yeah, ah, loads of fornication. It's all, it's all, it's all rife. It's all rife. They all, they all look at each other. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, sure, definitely. Wink, wink. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'd have to ask some of the more, um, I, I'd have to approach some of my elders and you know, my Catholic mm. elders and be like, hey, did you have premarital sex? I'm not sure they'll be appreciated. Of my question. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, fine. I'm gonna go down south into a bar in Ireland and just ask somebody, "Hey, did you uh, did you bang it before you put a ring on it?" <laughs> See how many yes. people say yes. Yeah, I'm definitely. I'm, oh, anyway, but maybe maybe I'm wrong on that one. But um, yeah, I always I'm always dubious about that because that's such a massive ask, isn't it? Like, it, it, everyone it, makes mistakes. It is. It, it, yeah. it is a massive ask. But I think that, like, especially back in the days of, I, like, I'm taking this mostly from Irish mm-hmm. Catholicism. It was super, like, the church super controlled everything. So, like, I imagine there was mm-hmm. quite a lot of people that didn't have sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I always think it's like, almost like similar to, like, prohibition in the States. You know what I mean? Like, you know, no one can drink. Well, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it went on. I'm imagining the majority of people who were good Catholic or good Christian people didn't have sex before marriage, yeah. and um, obviously it got a bit less strict over the years. I apologise, Niall. You shouldn't have to explain yourself. I, I've <laughs> definitely it's my fault for this tangent. You know, you're a serious podcaster. I'm, I yeah, really obviously. Understand. Like, yeah. <laughs> have you never heard of the poopal loophole? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was invented in (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I'm 32. I've never heard that. What what a poor excuse for a human being I am. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Oh, Jesus. Right. No, I'm hanging around with you more often. Starting this. What else can you teach me? (laughs) Forget the song. (laughs) Starting this season off really strong. (laughs) Very strong. So uh, the next few lines then. Your green muse... The apparatus for soul mobility, a gateway to secrecy. It's very metaphorical here. Would you like me to take it from this article? <laughs> I mean, that's always best. But wait a second. I think I have a different lyric here. I've got your clean moose. It's your green muse because that's what absinthe is. Traditionally, it's green. What's going it, on here now? And I will explain so why it's a muse. For, uh, I'll explain why it's a muse later on. You deserve a guest who's done some proper comprehensive work here. And it's, here I am turning up with the wrong lyrics. I'm so, I don't know. Well, I've done, I, I mean, I thought this was legitimate. I apologize. So, so it's uh, your green muse. Yes, your green muse, the apparatus for soul mobility, a gateway to secrecy. Mm, okay, fine. You take it from here. (laughs) So allow me to explain the line that was incorrect on yours. Your green muse is just a literal reference to absinthe because often it's been depicted as green in color, though, as as I said before, there are many different colors and I know this because I've drank them. Um, (laughs) The muse part comes from the popularity of the drink in the mid-1800s to early 1900s in the French art scene, uh, the Mm. Parisian art scene, the French art scene. Absinthe was extremely popular amongst artists in the French art scene during that time period and it's often credited as expanding the minds of those who consumed it basically giving the artists inspiration to create their works so it is itself a muse that's what that means makes makes, makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense I mean even that's, that's still present today hallucinogenics you know hard yeah. drugs they all kind of play compound thought and they uh, you know you arrive at really unique th- 
ideas. Yeah, I mean, like most of the music artists of the 1970s, <laughs> 1960s and 70s were pretty <laughs> yeah. much charged on yeah, that. I, don't think there's, I think there should be more of it. Actually, I'm not encouraging anyone to take drugs right now, obviously. But I mean, um, I, 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 have had a, I have had a couple of friends in bands and stuff that have said, you know, if you really want to get in touch with your... And, and by the way, as, as Hector said, please do not go and do drugs based on the Gospel of Ghost podcast. Oh, Niall said to do it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> no, I, I've had a few of my friends, you know, who are in bands or artists or whatever, have said that hallucinogens are you know they they will change your perspective on life they will change your perspective on everything i've never done one before but they've said like it opens your minds to possibilities you just would not have experienced beforehand the thing is even like even alcohol there's taken that i mean francis bacon what the painter he was kind of known for being you know an, a bit of an alcoholic but i think i mean in his kind of impressionism of uh, in his his you know he obviously incredibly talented painter but like you could totally tell that there was they were seeing things differently to the rest of us. You know, and mm. he's just one example of many, but like even alcohol, it can really makes you, 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 you have a different perspective on things. But again, guys, don't, don't do anything. No. That's, uh, <laughs> no, it's illegal. Uh, yeah, wait. please don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Fine. So I don't really have, a, do you, the apparatus, I, I mean, I've got, I'm such a literal person here, which is, you know, I'm thinking of like a table, like the, like the opening scenes to Saw, or mm-hmm. no, no, or like Hostel, where he's got all the kind of collection of tools and machinery. <laughs> do you want to like, play you know, a game? <laughs> <laughs> that was great, no. Thank you. That was that was quality, man. But thank you. Um, that, yeah, I would have taken that on a Sunday, but that's very good. <laughs> I liked it. Uh, and then um, and force over ability. I mean, that, that's, I mean the, again. These people are too smart for me. I'm not really sure what that means. <laughs> All right, let me let me let me go into what I what I think it means. The two lines that we're discussing is where our religious metaphor comes back around. Alcohol, when consumed, is often seen as a way of, as you just said, as you said, loosening up a situation, changing your perspective, whatever. But loosening up a situation, chipping away at self-imposed chains that you put on your own personality during everyday life and interactions, you know. And most of the time, this is for the best. Sometimes when you're, you know, sometimes when you're drunk, you say things that you shouldn't normally say when you're sober you wouldn't normally mm-hmm. say as as i as i tend to say a drunk man is an honest man you know what mm, i mean definitely Th- that's what i would that's the phrase that i would say quite often so it loosens your inhibitions you would do things and say things and experience things that you would normally wouldn't you know in in everyday life due to alcohol so in that way that is the apparatus for the mid for the mobility of the soul that is the apparatus for for the changing and 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 the freeing the freeing of the soul i suppose you could say and the same can be said for for the abandoning of god and his morals there's no shame in the society anymore in the society we're talking about you know there's nothing to hide his secrets are all out in the open you're free to act on basically every desire that you have and no one is going to judge or stop you you know that is the power of alcohol that is the power of the spirit of soul mobility as i said and you know as i said the gateway to secrecy there isn't anything there isn't anything anymore it's all open yeah have you heard uh, have you had unicom wait what sorry what <laughs> it's a it's a it's a hungarian absinthe herbal drink that i actually have drank it's called unicom i thought you may have uh, have, may, have you had that before i i have not had unicom no where can i <laughs> where can i acquire it <laughs> probably at the kremlin <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's I just came to my mind so it's like a, it's like an absinthe type of thing but it's Hungarian yeah I've had it I had it in Poland one time they said would you like some unicum I was like excuse me sir <laughs> and he was like yeah it's really good and um, I just it just popped into my head there and then you know sorry about that but yeah no I think yeah that makes total sense obviously uh, and had I thought about it and had been as smart as yourself now I probably would have been able to contribute more you know with something more kind of meaningful but yeah, yeah unicum check it out I think you can actually get it at like uh like as, as this. 
<laughs> Every time you say that name. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a quality, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it, it comes it, in a black bottle. Gospel of Ghosts, sponsored by Unicorn Cum. <laughs> no, I didn't say Unicorn Cum, but it might as well be. That's what's popping into my head every time I get it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> I, imagine in, I imagine that's um, uh, like a forbidden drink in the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> yeah. Hermione, <Yeah>. you <laughs> had your Unicorn Cum today. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, never watched that movie in the same way. <laughs> But yes, thank you. We'll move on to the next. We'll move on to the chorus. The there's, there's, there's a- <laughs> See, just stop putting yourself down so much, actor. Right. Um, we'll move on to the next. The next bit, and it's only the chorus. So it's spirit and absinthe, and you have mm. already said that you have these lines mm. re- correct. So, what do you think? <laughs> Well, I think, you know, I think it's, uh, it might be even quite literal, like spirit, uh, yeah. it might as well be absinthe, you know, and it could also mean the, uh, the kind of metaphorical and symbolic meaning of absinthe of it, you know, being, um, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of biblical in a way, because like, you take a drink, and then you see things differently. It's almost like communion, you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's symbolic in many ways. But yeah, I don't think I don't see coming back to maybe what you were saying. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know. <laughs> Okay. Well, I mean, I think I think what you're getting at in your in your point of view, if I do understand it correctly, is that whenever you consume whenever you consume it and you see these hallucinations, you know, there are people that oftentimes, whenever they're uh, in sickness or whatever, they do tend to hallucinate holy figures. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Like you, you see you see the spirit of God, basically the spirit of Christ, whatever it would be. I think it's I think it's empowering, right? I think I think uh, I think it's empowering. It's a confidence booster. It's uh, it's also uh, you know fuel for for you know going into a different dimension a different thought process a different kind of uh you know uh, i don't know even even belief system so so yeah i think i, I mean that when i there's it's a, it's about kind of breaking free and moving on to into different and something else yeah um, that's how it, that's how i always that's how, when i hear that chorus and i sing it uh and uh, you know I, I thought all these years i've been saying it wrong i thought i've been saying i thought absinthe was wrong but i just wanted to say absinthe instead <laughs> of absence because it didn't make any sense kind of to me but you were uh, right yeah we are it doesn't happen often so are you ready for this i have a lot on these on these oh, four wow. words okay all right what i'll do is i'll try not to say anything <laughs> silly and let you Okay, I'm going to have to read off this because it is a big mm. paragraph. So I was tearing my hair out trying to find out what this chorus meant. Like it's it took me ages. And thanks to an Instagram user called Jack Godfrey Long who messaged me, Imagine. I was able to finally see the picture that is being painted. Let's start literally. Absinthe is a spirit. It's not more complicated than that. It's just a description. Metaphorically, these lines are super interesting. Absinthe is a drink that contains green anise. Florence Fennell, and most importantly to our discussion, Wormwood. Wormwood has a fascinating secret meaning in floriography, which is basically the secret language communicated by arranging flowers in a very certain way. It was extremely popular in the Victorian era, and some of it has remained in our popular culture, especially that of the red rose. When you give this to someone, generally you're saying, I love you, or indicating desire, which is exactly the meaning that it was given in floriography, the language of the flowers. Side note, by the way, um, for those who are fans of Harry Potter, so we mentioned that before, despite J.K. Rowling's repeated attempts to destroy his legacy by being just a horrible, horrible human being. (laughs) 
Floriography is used a lot in the books, typically to convey a character's motiva motivation or personality before they even speak. Petunia, for example, is representative of, of resentment or anger. And obviously her, you know, Petunia, his aunt, is angry or resenting towards his, her sister for being a, a, a witch. Narcissus is represented by egotism. Lavender represents loyalty, love, and devotion, which sums up her later arcs with Ron. And perhaps the most important... And to wrap this around back to Ghost, Snape's very first sentence to Harry in the books is, Tell me, what would I get if I added powdered root of asphodel to an inf infusion of wormwood? Asphodel is a type of lily, which means remembered beyond the tomb. And of course, as we know, Harry's mother was called Lily. And wormwood, more importantly to our story, stands for absence, bitterness and regret. Basically, what Snape is saying in the very first line to Harry in code is that he regrets Harry's mother's death. <laughs> have, a, have a sip. Have Thank a sip you. of something. Have a, yeah, that's, that's absolutely white before red, man. That was, that was some serious... Oh, my, wow. Well, that was... Okay, that's some, that's some content. That's some content. Well, okay, fine. All right, I'm, I'm, I think I'm following. So, but don't, 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 don't... Yeah, go on. I'll let you get on with it. Back to Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> away from Harry Potter and back to ghosts. In our story, absence is, absinthe is being used both literally and metaphorically at the same time. Metaphorically, what the song is saying is the spirit of God is absent from this world, basically setting the stage and explaining what happened in the last album. That's what that means. It is. It means that the spirit of God is absent from the world. So basically, it could have been spirit absent, but instead they made me do all of that work to come out to the same goddamn conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine, great, man. Okay, fine, fine. That's uh, and do you think that was uh, that's intentional? That's all part. That's all. I mean, it, might, it sounds like it is for sure. I would say it's probably intentional. I don't. <laughs> I, I doubt that. I doubt that. You know, Papa had had Harry Potter's <laughs> lore running through his mind as he as he was writing the song. But yeah, no, I I think that he definitely he definitely did some research into floriography and stuff. I think what he does is just sort of sit down, hits the random button on Wikipedia, and it's just like mm -hmm. I'm going to make a song out of this. <laughs> I had this idea that he kind of kicks his feet up, puts Chamber of Secrets on. <laughs> <laughs> and gets a notepad out and goes, you know, this is quality. This is, this is it here. This is it here. <clears throat> Guys, get, 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 get the gear. Ready to go. Yeah, this, this is actually just an entire story about the Harry Potter folks. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> yeah. just recapping Harry Potter. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yo, that, those are, those, that's what I had for the choruses and we won't be doing that again. Oh. So <laughs> what did you think? I mean, I, I mean, I think that it's, uh, just testament to how 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 great you are at the show you are you know i think that you know it's prolific research and i think you know shout out to the to what's his name the guy who messaged you jack godfrey long what a guy yeah what a guy do you know what i imagine he's been holding on to this for a long time yeah I've had a few. Could, I've had a few users message me about about that about that in particular. Someone from I believe it was someone from Sweden said that uh, the the pronunciation from absinthe is or the pronunciation for absent is absinthe in Swedish. So it it, it does mean mm. spirit absent. But he said spirit absinthe, and because this is an English show, I had to run with it. But I could have just said, oh yeah, but that's just the pronunciation. But no, oh, I did yeah. all the other digging instead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, fine, wow. 
So are we safe to move on now? I mean, I, I, I would love, do you know, I would love to be sitting here going, do you know, that, 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 that's, that's kind of stimulated me to make this point about that and this and add something meaningful. But I was, I was thinking, I was, thinking, I was like, oh, when you mention the herb things and different flowers, and I'm not going to pretend to or even have, <laughs> attempt to pronounce one of those words you said beginning with their floral, floral floriography. Wow. Now, I was thinking like sitting there going giddy weed and then I was thinking halfway through, I think that's from Lord of the Rings actually. It's from Harry <laughs> Potter, but yeah. Is it really? Oh, <laughs> it is. Fantastic. Yeah. Gillyweed is the um, gillyweed is the the herb that Harry uses in the fourth book slash movie to breathe underwater. Oh yeah, the goblet of fire. Yeah, there we are. There we go. Okay, fine. Goblet of fire. That's it. The vessel of possibility. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter and the vessel of possibility. or something. I've had a bit. Sorry, go on. What okay. I'm learning is that I should probably start a Harry Potter podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> <I'm> do- <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, you, you might you might pick out more. Uh, comparisons yeah for sure. that's a great idea i am not going through a harry potter mm. book line by line like i do with <laughs> ghosts that would take me literally my entire life mm. yeah and this is i mean let's let's face it this is the kind of you know, a lot cooler more niche it's kind of you know and yeah. also, look, look at that look at that well look at what you've discovered yeah Amazing. exactly for all those oh, big crossover fans out there i nearly said we discovered but <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have the nerve <laughs> I thought, no, shut up. I didn't do anything. Uh, Shall we move on to the next lines? Yeah. Okay. I think I've said everything I wanted to say on that. Okay. So what have you got on your lyrics, on your lyric sheet? I've got, so yeah, that's a good question. Uh, So seven seals. Yeah. Okay. Devilish creatures confess the end of time. Close. Right. Okay. Close. Devil. Our seven seals was correct. Devilish creatures trumpets the end of time. Right. So that's. So now I, I must admit. So I did. Re- I did research on this. I mean, you may like to take the lead on this one. No. I, no. You go ahead. Go ahead. You can. You can rest assured that I wouldn't be bringing anything of you know of value here. But nevertheless, I. So seven seals. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know what it was on about. And then I. Then I. Then I looked online. I thought, okay, I've got to cheat here. And then so book of Revelation. Yeah. Kind of marks the second coming. In the beginning of of the apocalypse and mm-hmm. each one of these seals brings a different type of like you know apocalyptic uh, event like earthquakes and uh, the four horsemen and then the, i think the last one's like it's trumpeters or something like that and then i thought a big band and i was like what's this about and i didn't i don't really but yeah that's kind of where i ended up um and i think it's kind of the the kind of like uh this is this is happening, guys. Yeah, you the type of thing, right? We have all this kind of like indirect suggestion of this happening, and now it's happening. Yeah, so finally gonna gonna rip those seven seals off. I find pretty much the exact same thing, but because I had the trumpets line, I was able to de- you know dial a little bit further because there is mm. a bit added to it because of the trumpets, as you said. The lines are a reference to the story in the Book of Revelation. The seven seals mentioned are the seals that lock a scroll that can only be opened by either God or Jesus. Unlocking these seals and opening the scroll will cause the apocalypse of man, each seal with its own unique punishment, with the first four freeing the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The first is unlocking of the Antichrist. Second, war arrives on Earth. The third, famine the fourth death and the fifth those martyred will ask god how long until he judges the earth they are told a little while longer and given a white robe the sick catastrophic natural events and the final seal is silence it's heavy isn't it yeah it really is 
<laughs> so it's like, Jesus. In the story of Revelation, the trumpets following the unveiling of the scroll are actually played by angelic creatures. So what we can read into this line is that the end is going to instead be brought about by Satan's forces or that the person singing this perceives angels themselves to be devilish because obviously he calls them devilish creatures who are using the trumpets. There are a whole slew of effects that come from the trumpets being played. All of them are, well pretty damn awful to be honest but the list is too long so we'll skip through most of them the primary one that we want to look at and it'll come into um it'll come into play later on is the third trumpet which states a star called wormwood poisons one third of all the fresh water supply uh, and this as i said comes into play in a bit so yeah we were along very similar lines there we go that's about time i think the three verses in it's about time <laughs> i did some work <laughs> what a slouch Fair enough. Okay, well, yeah, there we go. There we go, fine. So to me, when I read that stuff, it literally scares the life out of me. I'm like, wow, I mean, this is like, you know, this is scripture. This is like, and I, I feel like I'm, I need to like, even though it's really old stuff, I need to kind of update myself on this general knowledge stuff. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, scary stuff. I mean, I don't know. I don't know this all off the top of my head. I do research on this. Don't like, like <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not a religious man, don't give you know. Me that. So it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't scare me or whatever. It's just extremely interesting on like the if you look at the if you look at the Bible from a purely fictitious point of view, like if you look at it as a novel, it's interesting. And yeah, it has some life lessons as most novels do, you know, but people mm. took it way too literally. That's my perspective of it. The Bible's a really good book if it's in the fiction section. <laughs> Love it straight in there. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because I found it because I think it's like I, when I opened it as a child and I read, I thought, is it just me or am I terrible at reading, guys? <laughs> like I don't. It, I think it's just me. I, you know, and I obviously later found out. You know, found out that you know actually it's not an easy. You know, the you know scripture isn't easy to read. It's no. a different language and you know and that sort of thing, which I was quite relieved about because I was start, things were starting to go down down downhill. Needed extra help with English and stuff like that. But uh, no, it's all good. Uh, so maybe. Uh, in, you know, maybe what the next the next verse or is that are we ready to move on? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, can move I'm on. Taking yeah. charge of this. We can move on. Yeah, I'll read out what I have. It's cloven hooves, anti Saint Wormwood, catapulting your mind into the jaws of death. Wow, I've got a comp- no. So I've got cloven hooves. Yeah, fine. And then and I save Wormwood. Ah, yeah. <laughs> A catapult to your mind. So what's going on here? I've obviously searched for the lyrics and I've just taken the first thing because, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stupidly uh, and unprofessionally, but fine. So And then into the chalice of... Sh- or chalice, I should say, of death. Jaws of death. Chalice would work, but it's jaws. So do you want to do do cover the first line? Well, Cloven Hooves, I thought, you know... You know, Dave Mustaine riff, by the way, I think it is, if he's Paul Horseman <laughs> um, for Metallica. But yeah, the uh, Cloven Hooves, uh, I assumed it's uh, just following on from one of those seals, which is the Four Horsemen. Mm. And like the Wormwood thing, obviously, when I think of Wormwood, I always think of like spoiled ground and spoiled natural life and just a lack of nutrients in the earth to like grow things healthily. But also, I've, I think Wormwood is a type of angel, which I think you were talking about. Uh, in the previous verse, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong on that one. I don't think I might be probably completely wrong. No, no, you're correct. It is a type of angel, but it is it is also a plant. It is also an actual plant. So is it like a plant angel? Yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> they make absinthe out of them. That's absinthe right. is just angel piss. <laughs> okay. That's why it's green. Okay, of course it is. Why wouldn't I think that? 
<laughs> okay, fine, gotcha. Uh, and, and do I have anything else to add? Um, so, so I've got Chalice, so you've got Jaws. Mm. Fine, okay, so perhaps that won't work. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I have anything. I mean, I think it's something to do with... Well, what did you, what did you say about Chalice? What did you say? Something to do with, like, you know, I mean, the, uh, it's like... it's. It's like a, a symbol for or a, or a vessel that Jesus used at the Last Supper to mm. like serve wine, and it's kind of like I assumed it was like a symbolic thing for you know his ability to like save mankind, you know, despite everything being so so bad. But yeah, that I don't. So I again, I came to I came to a brick wall. I'm not not afraid to admit it. Let me tell you what I've got. So, as you said, I agree with the Cloven Hooves. The demons arriving on Earth, pretty much. Whether it's metaphorical or literal, I suppose that's up to your interpretation. But the lines that interest me the most, as you said, are the two after. Wormwood, as we established, is indeed a plant, but in the Bible it is also a star or an angel that is a metaphorical being to represent the bitterness that surrounds the Earth in troubled times. That's what that means. So, by the clergy claiming to be anti-Wormwood, they are basically saying that they can be the sweet taste that clears the bitterness, overpowering or distracting from the growing troubles of the world that it's had because God left. So basically, if you're in any way familiar with other cults, um, drinking the Kool-Aid is pretty much what it is. Do you know what that means? No. Okay, so... <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. It's probably good to explain it. So in... Uh, I, I can't remember in what years it was. It would have been... It, it was way back in the past. There was a guy, I believe, called Jim Jones that started a cult in America. And uh, he grew quite large and they moved to somewhere else. I can't remember exactly where it was, but it wasn't America. It was a different country. And he brought all his followers with him. And with, with him, they made uh, a place called Jonestown. And Jonestown was basically... Well, it was a slave camp, really, at the end of the day. It was a cult based around worshipping this this man called Jim Jones. I, I'm hoping that's his, his name. It's definitely Jones something. But eventually people started wanting to leave and had turned against the cult because they'd seen what it really was. The guy was crazy. So someone got the word out to the FBI or some other intelligence agency about the cult and he was keeping people captive, etc. American citizens. So they sent some agents there. And when he got wind of it, he made his entire following go into a church, held them at gunpoint, made a batch of Kool-Aid, which is like uh, squash but powdered, made a batch of that and poisoned it with, uh, I believe it was cyanide, and forced every single member of his cult to drink it, including the children. Jesus. So what they did... And I, he either drank it himself or he shot himself. I can't remember which one it was. But what the investigators turned up to, I believe, was a bunch of dead bodies. Or they had already been mm -hmm. and they were going back to report it. And I think he had them killed as well. I could be misremembering that part of the story. But drinking the Kool-Aid is normally a metaphor for drinking something that tastes good but will kill you. So yeah, um, it, it, honestly, and this is, uh, this don't do this. And this is to everybody. <laughs> Don't do this. No, no, that's not a laughing thing. No, trust no, me. no, of course not. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, what's wrong with me? There's uh, documentaries called the Jonestown's Ma Jonestown Massacre that will give you more of a story. But there is also a legitimate audio recording of the sermon in the church where he forced people to drink the Kool-Aid. And I've listened to it out of morbid curiosity. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's terrible. Like, yeah. it's awful. Well, yeah, I mean, I, well, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's awful. So it only, only listen to it if you have the most morbid of, of curiosities. I don't know how you do that. I, don't know, I literally don't even know how you do it. I'm sitting there going, oh man, if I was like, if I, that was coming up to play that, I don't think I could do it. I had to at least once. After seeing the thing and it was just like, yeah, there is, you know, they recreate it and stuff. It's obviously not as graphic, but, you know, whenever I found out there was an actual thing, I had to listen to it and... 
Oh god, the um Yeah, let's get off this topic. It's very depressing. Uh... <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. So I should probably finish off my other point. So like I was saying, the usage of coliad in other cults have, however, has come at a price. Ignoring warning signs is never a good thing. Bitterness exists to warn of unpleasant effects, and by ignoring the troubles or taste of poison, you're sure to arrive at your death. And with that said, let's close that chapter and move on to the next lines. There is no return from this excursion of possibilities. You are at the seventh gate. Have you got that? I've got, I've got you at the center of fate. So is this like different versions released in different, like, they can't no, be no, I think it's just the lyrics of you are um, yeah, incorrect. Right. Uh, no, it's a, you are at the seventh gate. So do you want me to start this one off? Absolutely. Absolutely, Niall. Yeah, not going to lie. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I assumed this was kind of like, you know, yeah, the the final calling. And this is, this is like, in my mind, the vision, do you, do, when you read these lyrics, do you ever like think of like, like the imagery that goes with it. Oh yeah, all the time. All the time. That's why I started the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, okay, of course. No, no, you, you definitely take the, the uh take the lead, man. Okay. What I've wrote down here is that this is basically the culmination of the of the song as far as mankind is concerned. This is a warning from the singer of this verse, whoever it be, whoever it be, whether it be God, Satan, Papa, or whoever that the people of this world are, that the world is too far gone to be saved after the events of Infestissimum. So basically, there, you know, there is no return from this excursion of possibilities. You've gone too far and you can't come back now. God's gone. You've made your bed now lie in it, pretty much. The seventh gate was interesting. It was weird and there isn't really a biblical reference to go along with it, even though it sounds like there should be. The seventh gate is actually referencing a fascinating piece of urban folklore that I only learned about when researching this episode. This myth centers around a township known as Helm in New York. York County, Pennsylvania, or sorry, in York County, Pennsylvania. Helm is also, uh, hell is, is also what it says. There are two versions of the myth. One is that the seven gates were erected to trap inmates at an insane asylum, and that the other is that they were put there by an eccentric conductor. Regardless though, what interests us is that the seventh gate, it is said upon passing, you will walk straight into the depths of hell itself. So whoever is singing this song is trying to tell the people there is no return. Humanity must pass through the seventh gate to hell to see what's on the other side. Pretty much, you're on the you're on the track now. You may as well just keep going. It's interesting because I thought when I when I read the lyrics, my initial thought was like this almost feels like and even the sound of the song it actually it has that. I think perhaps because of that uh, that opening instrumentation of that 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 hook right at the beginning of that. Um, but it feels like in a, like almost like. The beginning of like you look at the an asylum from it like even almost like mm. almost like Arkham Asylum like you're looking outside and it kind of then as before the guitars come in you go into the asylum and it's almost like etchings in like a book or on a wall like these mm. lyrics and it's, so do do you think it's the latter the uh, the fact that it's like a gateway to hell I personally think it's a gateway to hell but you raise a good point with the start of the of the song that you you do get that picture of like like a, an old an old B movie insane asylum you know yeah. it, it could be that you know the gates of hell are trapping you know. Are, are trapping the inmates of an Asylum, and this in this case being humanity as a whole yeah, onto onto earth onto the the satanic earth that they've created so really it could be either or it's down to your interpretation what do you think i think you i think you're right i think it's just that the the, the music kind of has that connotation that makes it interesting that it would be either what you're saying which is kind of more the more obvious out of the two but then mm. again the sound of the music would indicate perhaps there's it's definitely open for interpretation but what a what a reference point that is so how, how did you find that uh i googled seventh gate 
<laughs> I, I was ser- I was searching through like bible.com and stuff like searching for bible and then I was just like screw it I'm just gonna google it and then it came up and I was like oh okay this doesn't make any sense and then obviously I pushed it fit it all together but yeah if you're ever in Hellam or Hell York County Pennsylvania go and visit the uh, the seven gates that have been erected to trap in myth if nothing or, else is open or go to hell yeah <laughs> it's, you know, it's a good outside activity fun for the whole family apparently <laughs> So, uh, with nothing else to add on that, shall we finish off the song? Let's finish off the song, definitely. We're nearly, we're not, we've got another chorus, but we're, you've, you've, I think... We're not doing the chorus again. <laughs> we've, we've done it once, it doesn't change. The final two lines of the song are, Let none of this earth inherit this vision of my spirit. Sorry, Niall, I've got a different, I've got a none of this uh, earth inherit the expression of my spirit. How did they mess that up? It's not actually a line from Ghost. It's a line from an Edgar Allan Poe poem. <laughs> so I'm assuming you didn't know that, or you didn't... I did not know. I didn't oh, know okay. That. I didn't know that, no. What, well, what did you think it meant then? Or, or, you know, from your from from your translation, what did you think it meant? I, I mean, it's it's. I felt like it was, like, it indicated that it's this is a new era this is no longer earth as you know it um hmm. and this is this is a basically just a new time a new order of the way things will be now that things have you know the sins and festicimum things have now there's more of a control over what's going to be happening from now on and that that's a, for me that was the, how i interpreted those things to me but i did not know it was from that from um from a poem i had no idea but yeah. then again is that what i've written here that's not actually from the poem that's so no wrong. no the the lines the lines in the album are exactly word for word from the poem so it's let none of this earth inherit this vision of my spirit so as i said they're direct taken from directly from a poem by edgar Allan poe titled imitation that's the poem's name if you fancy you reading it up i'm not gonna go too much into poe because quite frankly i'm not a massive poetry fan i'd love to be one of those people that gets severely into like edgar Allan poe and be gothic and stuff but i'm just not a poetry fan however i will note that he was rumored to be a satanist and also rumored to have hallucinated due to the effects of absinthe tying the look whole song that. together look at that as for what the lines mean in terms of ghosts in our story well, as you said, it's subjective. The poem itself is generally considered to be about hope, despite the bitterness towards the past. However, in this context of our story, I think these lines are delivered by God himself in anger towards humanity, his first semblance of anger towards them for turning their backs on him for Satan. So basically, that's basically just God telling the humanity to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that actually I never even thought about it that way. That makes that makes total sense for sure. I, initially, just reading it now, I thought actually like you know, kind of weird way when you're buried, you kind of you know you know you're you're absorbed by the earth, but. I thought it was all, but yeah, that makes that makes way more. Well, yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. So what we have, what we have now, is a godless—not a horrible world, but a godless world where you know Satan, Papa, whoever it is, is taken over as the primary religion, and things are just about to get worse and worse as we go on. So bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> but bring it on. As it is stands today, that is the end of this episode of the Gospel of Ghosts. Thank you very much for joining us, Hector. As always, it's been a pleasure. Where can people people uh find you on instagram youtube twitter etc bison music uk and uh, on instagram same same handle i believe as youtube and uh, also soundcloud and actually on bandcamp if you search bison music uk you can see all the songs the medleys that i've done also i've got an album on spotify if uh, again if you'd like if you'd like to be kind of directed into that into, into for that album just let me know get in touch with me and uh, but yeah thank i can't thank you enough Niall, for uh, well i can only say putting up with me for, uh, <laughs> for i can you know i mean 
you know, it's been it's been incredibly insightful for me. I don't know how you. <laughs> I, I can only apologise from my end, but no. uh, it's been great. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, it's a great song. And whoever doesn't like this song, you know, you need to really give give this time, give the song some time, agreed, and some, uh, some energy. I mean, it, there there are a few album openers that are this good, agreed, okay, and this confident. It doesn't. It's not easy to write a song this complicated and this much of a statement piece for the beginning of an album. I mean, actually, to be fair, there are so many albums that kind of peak here and there, but this album just keeps getting better and better. But you wouldn't think that after the quality of this first song. Agreed. Uh, so I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't know that this was kind of underrated. I thought this was like, you know, people love this song and like, like I do. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, hugely, hugely grateful to you for inviting me on. Thank you. My pleasure, my pleasure, Hector. And um, I would say I hope to see you again in the next season, but there isn't going to be one, eh? (laughs) (laughs) What a bombshell way to announce that. But yeah, no, thank you very much for joining, Hector. And I think I'll sign off now by saying I will see you guys not in two weeks' time, but I'll see you guys next week for From the Pinnacle to the Pit. As always, guys, thank you very much for listening and heal Satan.